if you have one person in the audience or online that is changed dramatically by your message, then you might have done a better job than someone playing to 10,000 or tweeting to 10,000 or whatever. Jack River, aka Holly Rankin. Poppy. Thank you so much <laughs> for joining us for the One Year Later podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. So it's been just under a year since you released your debut album, Sugar Mountain, a little over 12 months since the last instalment of the Electric Lady Festival, two years since your keynote speech at the Industry Observer Awards, and in August last year, you were appointed as an APRA AMCOS ambassador. When you think back to a year ago or two years ago, do you feel different? Um... Yes, I feel different in that I had a lot of, I guess, vision for this album and a big intention for it, put out quite a bold message um, inside it. And I didn't really know how that would be taken. I was quite afraid. And similarly on the front of Electric Lady and Grow Your Own, I guess I I was feeling like, okay, I've got these businesses and ideas and are they going to be responded to well and also just in general it's just like two years ago and a year ago I felt like do I have a place in this industry is my story going to connect and I feel like yeah the past year and two years have told me that it has and now it's I just feel like there's a lot of incredible opportunity around and people that I work with and and the industry are really supportive of my ideas, my weird ideas, yeah. Yeah, it's so fascinating that you say that because I'm thinking back to your TIO Awards keynote speech and I'm thinking about a couple of things you mentioned um, in that and it was very, very powerful because you'd come from this place of I'm an artist, uh, I'm also a business owner, I'm a CEO essentially, I have multiple companies in your events that you run and you gave this really beautiful but kind of unnerving analogy I guess where you talked about Australia's tall poppy syndrome. I've, I've got a quote here because I know oh, you yeah, might not cool. remember but <laughs> you said um, for some convict ridden reason we find it so damn hard to claim our successes and by nature in our beginnings we have a real knack for tearing down great things before they even start. So I mean what's it like as an artist who makes pop music in a country that has this tall poppy syndrome really? Yeah I mean... I, like, I guess with my music, I don't know if it's just in my head or not, but I feel like what I'm trying to do with my career is a bit different and it's bold and it's I'm trying to do things that artists don't usually do and stuff. And in the beginning of those things, I really did feel a lot of pushback and you can't do that, it's too much, just, like, just be an artist and be happy with that. Where did the pushback come from? <sighs> I mean, like, can't name names, but, like, not, yeah, yeah, just, like, internally um, in different teams that I had. And it's it wasn't crazily negative. It's more just that it's not crazily positive. And when I've travelled to the States, like, they have fucking huge issues, of course, in their systems. <laughs> um, but in the music industry, I just found a really different attitude as the the base level of attitude. So, mm. you know, it's just if you've got an intention that's different, 
they're going to be more inclined to, yeah. to, to say, oh, my God, tell me more about that. What can we do? I'll connect you to this person. That's so exciting. Whereas in Australia, it's like, oh, okay, um, are you sure about that? That's going to really put you at risk in, in these three ways. And, um, and We've got these boxes and that doesn't actually fit in any of those boxes. Yeah, and like, I don't know, that's, you know... It's just not easy, Holly. <laughs> and it's not easy. But, yeah, I've found that, um, I guess, since I've just tried to push and surround myself more with people that really do kind of believe in what I'm doing or have that mindset, I'm, I'm less related to the, the tall poppy feeling. But still as an artist, I do really feel, especially as like a pop alternate whatever artist <laughs> that's in Triple J land. Our which is an amazing thing, by the way. Yeah, which is so yeah. incredible and awesome. But also Australian artists really need to, to make their business viable and to reach more fans. We need to grow those artists into our other areas, like our commercial kind of stations and um, media and, and the way we perceive our Australian pop. So I don't know if I'm, am I just rambling in some weird direction? But basically, I think, you know, the tall poppy thing really does hold back artists from reaching different heights and doing different things with their career, unless the artist is like crazily pushy and bossy and, and, you know, just doing it themselves. Is it pushy and bossy or is it just, you know, understanding that you have that your songs and your music is your business and you need to lead the way. Yeah, really. that's right. I mean, yes, that's yeah. exactly. But so it can be perceived as that and it's totally difficult. Sometimes, especially when you're a woman, it can be perceived as... Oh, bossy. absolutely. It's taken me a couple of years to find the confidence to, like, stop thinking of myself as crazy and bossy. Uh, rather, I am determined and organised and <laughs> interested in, you know... Um, the right functioning of my business and furthering it and kind of, I don't know. Yeah, the, um, that's a really long answer to the question. No. But yeah, and, Well, that makes me think about your team that you surround yourself with, which is obviously a very important thing for you to do. Is your team different now to what it was, say, when you were doing the Industry Observer Awards keynote? Has your team changed much? Has it grown? Is your core team the same? Two years ago. Yeah. I'm just trying to think exactly. It might have been changing at the time. As this is an industry podcast, I'll say I'm working now with my third management team in my career, which is something that a lot of artists go through, but something that I've driven. And I'm still really great friends with both my previous management teams, but um, realised at two different points that I needed to change that in order to to feel comfortable that my team was supporting my vision. so And it's amazing that you were supported in that as well, of like, this is the vision that I want and this is what I need to go after. And yeah. you had that supportive team around you of going, absolutely, follow your dreams. Yeah, yeah, and like it was really hard. It's really hard to change teams in any way. But if you're feeling it, I think it's really worth facing those fears or those thoughts or feelings or whatever in any business, but in music especially, you're... The team structures are fucking weird. Like, There's no job security for no. an artist, really. And, and <laughs> changing a team is like jumping into an ocean without a lifeboat. Yeah. Know? And you just – there's not 
I mean, a lot of managers don't have, not that degrees matter, but like, you know, that it's hard to be, to try someone out for a job and you sign up to a pretty serious three-year commission deal um, when you've got no, you know, you hopefully put a trial in your agreement. But yeah, uh, the, for artists, there's not much security or safety in, in any deal that you're in for you. Yeah. That's a really <laughs> yeah. great thing. I didn't even know that there was a trial option. I think that's really important for some of the emerging artists out there that are listening totally. to go. And how long is that trial period, if you um, don't mind me asking? I mean, I think my last one that I got in my contract was maybe three months. Great. Um, and then you yeah. know whether you vibe each other and whether it's working. Yeah, because yeah. once you click into a management deal, if you want to terminate it, there's post-term commission clauses. So that's a really important part of a deal that um, if you don't have a trial and you want to leave, then <laughs> that manages, you've signed away commissions after your termination. So, yeah. yeah and I bet you know some horror stories of <laughs> artists who are like, oh, what did I do? Yeah. You know? Oh, my God. I could do a whole podcast on um, <laughs> management, label and publishing <laughs> deals, which yeah. maybe one day we will do because, yeah, I, I think surrounding being really aware of your team and your um, deals those things once you once the project grows which my project's growing now to a point where I'm looking every day at our budget and our you know projections and understanding how my creativity exactly works with my rights and finance and stuff and that is absolutely fascinating (laughs) to me because I have to do budgets and stuff where I work at the Bragg Media and I am terrible with numbers like oh, Luke Max. who owns the company he will tell you that he you know has to hold my hand through quite a lot and I'm just not a maths kid I'm an English oh God, kid same. and that's fascinating to me that you're like this creative but then also you're looking at budgets and finances and like all power to you How oh you, god no I'm not two brains I'm an English kid time. I'm an English kid okay. I'm not a maths kid at all but i like through working on three businesses and Jack River for like working on it for so long and being an artist that's like hyper scared of the non-security of the job I'm trying every day to get better at it and I think that like I do get someone else to actually make sure those documents work but um watching how money flows and roles flow and rights flow is more of like a story to me and more of a creative you know relationship with business it's not yeah I've you know, really always trying to, to depart from being scared of maths. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> Susan Haven from Chug Entertainment. Oh, I love Susan so much. She's amazing. Yeah. I have a big crush on her um, and she knows it, so it's fine. Um, and she Susan. said she did this speech at the Women in Music um, event and she said that to be a manager um, or, or a managerial senior position, she said you don't have to have all the answers, you just need to know where to find them. Yeah. And that made me feel better. I was like, yeah, I suck at maths, but there's also someone that's really good over here that can help me read this Excel sheet, which totally. looks like a different language to me yeah yeah no and I think it's just like also following your gut I think Susan's a really incredibly intuitive person and she asks the right questions when you're sitting with her and she like has these piercing eyes that make you tell the truth about stuff and yeah I think um and I work really closely with Jester Crow um on Grow Your Own and Electric Lady and she's very similar in that uh her talent is people and asking you questions she has a lot of answers but yeah I think it's all about 
looking at the relationships of how things work and asking questions to your CFO or your accountant or whatever. It's just like all about the questions. Yeah, and yeah. it's so important for artists to know as well. It's just like you don't have to be – uh, you don't have to have a maths degree or a business degree or MBA or whatever, but it's okay to be more involved in the business side of your career and ask those questions. And once you learn little bits of the business, then you get the hang of it and it's not so scary anymore. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And artists really, like, uh, I, I hope young artists start learning this more quickly because it's taken me a couple of years to become confident in it. But you're the director of your business and your managers often don't have it in their contract that they need to be um, managing your finances and accounts, which is really interesting. And yeah, at the end of the day, you own all your rights, whatever you sign, you need to just, like, it's your job. If you want to be an artist, you need to be a director of your small business as well. Like literally there's no way around it. So you've got to get good at it. Totally. Yeah. (laughs) And I wanted to ask you about um, Sugar Mountain and I know that you got three ARIA nominations for that. It's amazing. You were recently nominated for an APRA as well. I know when you were doing interviews around the LP, um, you talked a lot about the story behind it and how it's kind of an ode to youth and about your sister as well and how you lost her when you were 14. And I wondered um, how that experience of talking about it so publicly Mm. changed you. It's super interesting how that played out because... I don't think I talked very much to many people about all this stuff and how I really did use music to get through grief and grief itself and losing my sister. Like you'd think that you talk about it to your family and family friends, but you just, well, I just didn't. So it was kind of weird. My media around the tour was kind of like weird therapy And that's kind of strange, but it was also really liberating because it's like therapy, you know, with kind journalists who really get it. It was really a really beautiful process to talk to strangers about this hyper-personal thing and then have other strangers connect with those stories and kind of write to me like really emotional stuff about them losing their mum or sister or dad or... um, whatever it was they went through. So I found the whole process like really liberating and I felt more at home in the world to be complicated and um, honest, yeah. That's a that's a beautiful thing because, you know, I mean, th- I think Australia has some really incredible, sensitive journalists who are, you know, you're definitely in good hands and it could definitely go the other way if you didn't have the right person in front of you really understanding what you're going through and and understanding that you're you're opening up your heart to them as well. It's yep. such a such a beautiful thing for you to be able to do but also such a beautiful thing for um, a journalist to experience because that's what a journalist really wants to know. They want to know um, really what is the meaning behind the record, how, is it, um, how did it all really come together and for you to be so open and share that stuff, I think that that... That's such a gift to Australian music. Yeah. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah, Yeah, it was cool. I mean, there were some, like, it it is hard doing, say, a press day with a story like that and you have an awesome conversation and then the next conversation is really, like, you know, say something funny and then talk about (laughs) death or, you know, like, and I think that (laughs) those journalists need to 
wake the fuck up. And Are they the radio ones? Yeah, it's like, mostly we've got radio. Five minutes, quick. Radio. Yep. And I don't – I just wonder, like, how does Florence Welsh or, like, Lana Del Rey or whatever, like – those kinds of people that are so seem really introverted and really committed to their space, like do they do those commercial radio interviews? I if they don't, don't do it now, they would have when they started. Yeah, it's yeah. really uncomfortable. <laughs> I can imagine. Um, but I think I listened to a radio inter- interview of you that was turned into a podcast, and okay. you literally it was great. You were wonderful. It was around um, Groove in the Moo, um, and. You literally had like three minutes of time. That's all that that was all the block that yeah. they could give you, and it's incredible because you've got these touch points of the tours coming up. Um, yes, singles doing great, rah rah rah. But also they, you know, are trying to get a, a story, story from you as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's mm. pretty weird, but I mean, the importance of long form journalism is very mm. <laughs> high in Australia and also podcasts. Are so it's such a beautiful way of telling the story about an album as well. So yeah. Yay. One Year Later is presented by APRA AMCOS, a key business partner both locally and globally to over 100,000 Australian and New Zealand songwriters and publishers. With reps and creative spaces in LA, Nashville and London, APRA AMCOS travels with its members. Whether you've relocated or it's just a flying visit, APRA AMCOS can provide space to members and their teams on a short-term basis in a fantastic location. Go to apraamcos.com.au for more info. I listened to this great um, interview that you did and you said that uh, you see songs as mantras, which, you know, they totally are. We sing them over and over and over and that's, you know, ingrained in our brains. Um, And that artists need to be careful about what kind of mantras they're putting out into the world. And I wondered whether you think that that's also true about... um, for public statements from artists, not from their music, from mm. things that they talk about in public, whether it even be a tweet or social media or whatever, whether you think that those two are correlate. Yeah. Um, well, I guess it, de- yeah, it depends on the tone of your project and, like, you know, the Peking Duck Boys have a different tone to me and come from a different place, so they're going to talk about different things. Um, but I guess songs, uh, I think more important like obviously everything you say is important and I try to really triple edit everything I say and make sure it's true to me and I think about how it will impact other people and what they're thinking and stuff so that's me with social media but songs I feel like the nature of them is like they're recorded forever and you do sing them over and over and your brain has them running around in it. (laughs) Um, So I really try, yeah, to make sure in each song I'm achieving something positive uh, and there's not, you know, a negative spiral in the song. And I discovered that a lot writing Sugar Mountain because it took a really long time. So I got to, like, amend the songs so much and I really wanted them to be like strengthening songs and yeah I guess I'm not sure if I'll keep doing that because I do want song my songs to be really honest not always like you're strong you can do it (laughs) sometimes you don't feel like that yeah but it's also such a beautiful way to approach music I know that it's very different for hip-hop sometimes they just get into the studio and they just this is what's on my mind right now and then also hip-hop has a lot of connotations about 
violence yeah. and um, women, things mm. things like that. And it, it is really interesting because, um, you know, we're little sponges, our brains, and you think yeah. of what... Um, I remember as a kid, I just, I can't even remember the name of the song, but the lyrics were so dirty. And yeah, yeah. I used to sing it over and over. And I remember oh. my dad was like, what the hell Yeah, the late singing? 90s and early yeah. 2000s sounded that great. Hip-hop? But yeah. yeah, the lyrics, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, all the weird R. Kelly stuff that like in year six mm. at the school disco, we knew all the words and we didn't know what they meant. But looking back, it's not, they're not nice mantras for young kids I won't say women like single us out Mm. but you know I would not want my daughter singing some of the shit that we listen to and all about free speech and expression but that's where equality needs to come into it and Mm. as a songwriter and a human I'm just really passionate about spreading the message that I think needs to be spread as as well as being Mm. honest. The amazing thing about you is that your songs are just so good as well. So even without the lyrics, you could just sit there and be like, oh, that's a bad Yeah. Oh, man, that adolescent song that you've just released as well is just blowing my mind. Oh, that's nice. Love it, love it, love it. I wanted to talk about your APRA ambassadorship as well. So... You know, when it was announced that you were becoming an APRA ambassador, you noted um, that your top tips for female entrepreneurs was not to compare yourself with anybody. I'm reading this now. Um, don't change yourself for anybody but yourself and focus on your career and work. And I wondered, is that something that you struggled with? Yeah, probably definitely struggled with that, especially early on in my career when I really did see, I don't know, other females and male-led projects like like it was some kind of competition you know for us to get at it on Triple J or like sell out Oxford Art Factory and there's still so much of that around. Yeah. yeah and like I think it's just especially in our industry it's probably different if you're like literally in a competition with someone but it's like not a competition I can't oh now I know what you mean I'm sorry oh yeah, yeah literally yeah. it was competitions yeah yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I mean I like yeah there's competitions out there but like <laughs> mu- the music industry you can't be in competition so it's all in your head literally and yeah. then with social media I think like I still have the dumb voice in my head that's like they've got that many followers and I've got this many and why do people care about that voice is dumb and it has a dumb voice as well. Like, ah, (laughs) you're an idiot. Yeah, well, it's just, and I know that we all, like, think about that and it's just so dumb. And, yeah, I think the great, the coolest thing that, I don't know who says it, who's said it to me, but, like, if you have one person in the audience or online that is changed dramatically by your message, then you might have done a better job than someone playing to 10,000 or tweeting to 10,000 or whatever. Like, so you just, and it can all like be deleted. Spotify, the internet could go down tomorrow and who would you be? So I think that's kind of like a pretty good message to drill into your brain. (laughs) Absolutely. And I think it's important to remember that that voice that's saying you're not good enough they it's you hear it in your own voice and we often think that oh that's me talking but it's not it just sounds like you because you're hearing it in your own voice yeah Yeah. and I mean it is like I do think we can craft some strength in our minds and 
Yeah, the more that we are we are online and our careers are online in music and entertainment, it's so important to craft that strength because you can just trip out. <laughs> Completely. Um, yeah. You can think that you have to share everything and that you have to do a minimum of four posts a day mm. or all this kind of stuff. And if you're not, you know, if you're not usually into sharing that kind of stuff, it can be really overwhelming. Totally. Yeah, yeah I was talking to Brody Lancaster about this um, this week, actually. She was asking the same, well, we're kind of talking about online stuff now, but yeah, she asked a similar question, you know, how does it make you feel? Do you suffer from anxiety about, you know, social media? And I think another really important thing that we forget is with change and backing yourself and those things that I'm talking about there, um, that change happens so slowly and businesses are built so slowly and careers happen so slowly. But social media can make us feel like everyone's getting everything now and it's just, yeah, it's crazy how, say, my festival grow your own or whatever. It's gonna, It's taken four years to make that into a business and Jack River has taken me like seven years to... Mm to kind of get to an okay place. And a lot of people don't <laughs> yeah. see that. A lot of emerging artists will go, yeah, but I first heard her song two years ago and now she's one of the biggest artists in the country. Yeah. Like, gosh, how am I going to get to that level? You yeah. Know, they, don't, they don't know that it does take a lot of time. Yeah, and you just got to also think of, like, businesses, P&Ls, like you can't think of their <laughs> likes and you got to th- always be trying to remember what you're not seeing online and that goes for anyone doing anything really. Yeah. yeah. And you also said that you were inspired to write songs when you were overwhelmed by emotion or you find an original articulation of emotion. I wonder if you could (laughs) kind of walk me through your songwriting process a little bit because that is just fascinating to me. Yeah, okay. Well, weirdly I write songs less and less as I get older but I've kind of learnt to learn that really good songs will come to me no matter what Um, so I don't need to go hunting or worrying for them um but yeah I guess when I feel overwhelmed by something um to the point that my brain can't deal with it I will it'll just come out in poetry or a melody and that's just how it is I don't know I just cry oh (laughs) yeah well the older I get the more I cry for sure so it's good to have a good cry sometimes (laughs) yeah cry a lot um (laughs) maybe too much but yeah and then I guess like I've realized that my real love is like finding something that hasn't been articulated that I want to articulate so say with adolescent I just hadn't heard a song about that thing that I'm talking about and some reason it, it you know on paper it just starts to look like something that interests me that I want to create like a song about something that's never been written about that I can find like I'm sure it's out there but yeah I think if I feel like a song is boring to me in that it doesn't express something like really differently and I can't just go and find it myself in like one of my favorite artist songs like Maggie Rogers or Lana Del Rey or whatever um, then I'll have to write it and it's it's enjoyable. But if I feel like it's been done before, I don't really work on it. I love that. There's almost this duty to your to your heart to do it. Yeah, oh, yeah. that's nice. That's cool. And do you see yourself as a, a songwriter first or an artist first? Or do, does that even 
come into play? Um, I have realised that I see myself as a writer, hmm. not even a musician or a songwriter. I think that my like core passion in life is words and articulating things or other in in a new way and finding like the words and melody to express it. So, yeah, but I kind of, I don't know, I really enjoy just writing about anything like politics or environmental stuff or making lyrics. So, yeah, I really enjoyed your Insta story post um, coming up to the election. I thought that was really oh, great. Cool. I personally can't vote because I'm from New Zealand and I'm a little bit thankful um, oh, yes. for that at the moment, although I love Australia. Um, oh, hey, Jacinda. Yeah, yeah, I know. Isn't she beautiful? But um, I thought that was really great the way you articulated that about, you know, you know, you have this responsibility and, and just think, have a think bef- before you make a choice. Yes. Mm. Yeah, no, that was, I really wanted to contribute more to our federal election but just decided to try and write you know a little bit of what I was feeling and I think it's great because I think a lot of your audience would be you know under 18 or coming up to 18 or just able to vote and a lot of young people are probably unsure and they look up to people like you as well and they're on Instagram yeah and they're going through the stories and if one of them like you were saying before, if you got through to one person who yeah. actually thought, you know what, I'm not going to do what dad's telling me to do or my best friend's telling me to do. I'm going to actually have policies. a think, do yeah. my research. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. I think um, there is like a lack of media personnel. Well, actually, this election's really brought them out of the woodwork. But, um, mm. you know, just the space between music and our youth culture and politics, that there's a huge chasm in Australian culture and... It's really scary and, again, the music industry within warns not to ever post anything political because it might shy, you know, certain fans away but that's, like, it's there's so much going on in the world right now that keeps me up at night that I'm really, really keen to start to, like, walk into that chasm a bit more and yeah. just take the risk, yeah. Well, I think a lot of fans want to know where their idols stand as well. We have this publication called Don't Bore Us and the audience is largely young women mm-hmm. um, and we've seen them literally on Twitter call out their favourite artists and say, you haven't, and there a lot of them are in the US and um, they called out one particular band and they said, you haven't said whether you voted for Trump or not or whether you're on board with him yeah. and, and we want to know. And all these people jumped on board and we saw it all happen from the people that we follow and it was very important for them to know where their favourite band stood. Totally. Yeah, Yeah, and I, I mean, clicked around around this selection to see what other artists are talking about, if they care, and there's so much, like, there's so many people that just didn't comment or whatever and that's totally fine, it's their choice, but for me as a fan... I just die a little inside just wondering, like, what do you think about that? Yeah. And all, and even the, like, what's happening in the States with um, abortion bans in certain oh, states. I like, know. I'm just, like, kind of going to my favourite people and the good, the ones that I really believe in are talking. But if someone's not talking about that right now, I'm kind of on the unfollow train. <laughs> yeah. As you should be. Because yeah. it says a lot about them and I think that, um, we don't just buy into an artist's music. We buy into the person. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that says a lot about their character to me. Anyway. Totally. Yeah. Okay, so I've got two last questions yeah. for you around the theme of this One Year Later podcast. And um, you would have actually kicked off your national headline tour by the time that this podcast comes out. But 
I mean, I was just going to mention your new single, Adolescent is Incredible, and Sugar with Peking Duck is still going nuts, by the way. I love it. It's oh, When I first cool. heard it, I was like, oh, I feel like I'm 15 and listening to Len again. Like, it's so <laughs> that, nice. That was our goal. Yeah, it was beautiful. And I wonder, what do you hope we're talking about next year when we talk about Jack River? Jack River. Oh, God, it's hard one. Tall poppy syndrome kicking in right about now. But I really, I guess we've touched on it a lot in this combo, but I really want to, uh, on my next work, um, step into the space of social issues alongside my music and really explore how I can bring to life things I'm interested that aren't music and couple them with music. So... Yeah, I have some really fun things planned for later in the year and moving into 2020. So That's so exciting. Yeah, I mean, I hope that I can create a project and a career building, I don't know, really fun creative things around really great, meaningful things. Yeah. I saw this... Um do you follow Jamila Jamal? I yeah. think her name is. And she has her Iway project and she did this interview with Rose McGowan and it's not music but made me think of it when you were talking just then and she was talking about how she contributed to the Me Too movement and everything around Time's Up and everything like that. And she said that she had to wait until she had a certain platform in the entertainment industry before she could start being very loud about it. Mm. She was previously loud and she got shut down. And then she had um, a really big – she was in Charmed. Yeah. She had this huge platform through Charmed. And then she was like, great, I have access to a bigger audience now. And when I talk, people are going to listen. Yeah. So she was very, very strategic about how she talked and when. That's cool. That kind of made me yeah. think of that. Um, on the same level there, for sure. I don't know if my platform's even big enough, but I've, the world is, like, calling at me to just do more than music. Yeah. Um, yeah. What a beautiful <laughs> thing as well to be able to – give us and we need people like that we yeah. so do and what do you hope we're all talking about next year when we talk about Australian music industry issues okay let me think of one <laughs> out of the many <laughs> um or I'll, can I just say you know a couple of things of that, course. yeah yeah I think that the the conversation and action around equality in music has really improved over the past two years on um, playlists and lineups, but I think that there's still a lot to be done in the industry and music business and um, encouraging um, mindset shift in how young musicians um or business people see themselves fitting in. So I don't know, that's a bit open-ended, but I, I still care about that a lot and we're working on that in Electric Lady. I think that I'm personally passionate about musicians really learning their rights. There are a couple of really interesting things happening um, around neighbouring neighboring rights and in general I don't know. That, I think there's a lot to be done with Australian musicians learning their business and being inspired to change it and look at how the digitalisation of music should affect commission structures and stuff. So, I don't know, a bit complicated, but 
it's but that's the that's the problem. Yeah, it seems complicated, and perhaps it's, it's just you know a bit of transparency is needed, or um, artists need to do a bit of digging, and then it does won't seem so complicated. Yeah, at least yeah. to understand. There's just yeah. a lot of change right now, um, but artists often shy away from talking about their businesses. Mm. And that's a big problem because we have a lot of opportunity right now. As things are changing, we need to change as well um, how we do things and think of our teams and how how it all works. Um, And I had one more thing, but, I mean, yeah, I think the tall poppy thing and looking at how government and and policy can contribute to uh, getting more Australian artists on commercial radio and encouraging radio and TV to really you know, expand into the alternative pop scene and stuff. Totally, yeah. because the talent is there. Yeah. Like, look at your music. It's there. Oh. <laughs> it's right yeah, well, there. They just need to playlist it. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, I don't know, there's there's lots going on. Oh, pill testing, <laughs> add that to the list. Please. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's been really interesting as a festival owner to watch that unfold and watch the inaction by the government and police, hopefully we'll see that change. And Can they just look at Groove of the Moo Canberra and go, yeah. yeah. Or can they just look at the UK? Yeah, totally. <laughs> oh, there's enough to look at for sure. <laughs> um, and, yeah, the Australian Festival Association is a great new asset to the industry and they're doing a lot of work um, to work with government on that. But that's, you know, something that's really serious and creating death in our industry which is it's so important to look at and again artists need to get involved in that conversation as well yeah sorry they're all my things yeah and (laughs) and I think you know what we did leave it on a really heavy note but I think we left it on a really important note yeah just go get out there and read stuff and do stuff do your research do your research (laughs) thank you so much thanks so much for having me If you write or perform songs, you need to connect with APRA AMCOS. The music rights organisation collects songwriting royalties for over 95,000 songwriters and composers. It also supports music creators through networking events, workshops, mentoring sessions and grants programs. Go to apraamcos.com.au to find out more.